episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. Um, as always, I'm with the Who Dat Jedi Council. I'm Aaron, and with me is Dave and Fredo. How you guys doing? Good. How are you? Uh, good. Are you I'm feeling? Right. Be- are you feeling better, Dave? Yeah, a little bit better. Yeah. You sound like you have a little bit more life than our episode we recorded just a couple days ago. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I got a little bit of phlegm going, but that's about it. So. Hopefully, not too much phlegm during the episode. Yeah, it sticks with us. So, yeah. Fredo, you're dodging all the crud. So far, so good, which is kind of knock on wood, you know, been my luck. Because, uh, yeah, it's like, well, either if it's not COVID, it's some, some sort of bug going around that everybody's had yeah. been exposed to. And it's just, it's just laying people left, right, and center. So, um, I'm glad to be dodging. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, well, what the heck was it? Oh, anyway, I can't remember what I was going to say, so to heck with it. But anyway, no, uh, so tonight's episode is going to be, uh, we, uh, we're breaking news. We are deviating from what we said in our previous episode where we're going to talk about some Marvel stuff tonight. Well, that's before um, a, a Vanity Fair article dropped that told us all sorts of stuff about the future of Star Wars and... There's some very interesting tidbits at the end of it. So we're just going to be kind of going through that. Um, there is a warning out to everybody that if Fredo starts freaking out, he's not, it's not a home invasion. Um, he's monitoring the NBA draft and uh, seeing if the Pelicans get uh, the top pick. So if he starts yelling, it means we're in that 6% chance. So um, go Pels. Um and I get to go to Galaxy's Edge Ooh. in Yay. two days. We're going to we're heading to Florida tomorrow, and then we're in the parks starting Thursday. We won't be to Hollywood Studios until Friday. The only thing that could screw me over is the weather. So I can deal with rain, just no lightning. Okay. So anyway, um, uh, let me ask you. Let me ask you right quick. Have you gotten all your tickets for all the stuff you want to do in Galaxy's Edge, or do you have to do a day off? Well, I'm so. I mean, I've got, I've got my lightsaber thing booked, but um, you know, Rise of the Resistance is going to be purchasing a lightning lane at seven o'clock in the morning. Mm. Um, Millennium Falcon, you know, is going to be. I, Britt and I have talked about that. That's a queue that I kind of want to stand in because it looks like there's mm-hmm. a lot of cool stuff. Now the rise of resistance. I've said I I have not watched any point of view videos of that ride for the last what has it been three years now two and a half years something like that um, because I do not well, I've seen some still images I've seen some little promo things but I haven't seen the entire ride so I'm going in like uh, about as dark as you can be so but and let's just hope that I that. I get one. So, um, oh, did you get a reservation at the cantina? Yes, we're two of them. Yep. So, Good deal. Yeah. Now it's you know I and that's the thing is like I'm thinking, man, I should get a fuzzy tauntaun because that's what everybody says to get, but I don't like peach all that much. Mm. So, can you get? Can you substitute peach for something else, or is no, no substitutions allowed? I don't know. I don't know. It's um, a bar. I mean, so. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a mixed drink, so I, mean, I don't think they, I don't think they, you can mess with it. But maybe I'll just have to suck it up, Buttercup. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I'll bring back stories and uh, um, things like that. So let's do, let's do some trivia though to get us 
into Star Wars here. Um, and uh, so, Fredo, I'm going to start with you. Who switches C-3PO off when the droid suggests surrendering to the Empire? I believe that'd be the one and only Princess Leia. Number one on the best character list. Yeah, <laughs> Princess Leia. That's right. Turning off number 20, C-3PO. Uh, all right, Dave, to you. Oh, another C-3PO question. Who bumps C-3PO off Java's sail barge just after the golden droid says, I couldn't possibly jump? R2-D2. These are softball questions, man. We should actually play the board game sometime, actually be in the same room and see who gets all the pieces of the pie first. Um, all right. <laughs> first one I see, who addresses Luke Skywalker as Sir Luke? That would be C-3PO. It's all C-3PO all the time. <laughs> Number 20, getting some love tonight. All right, so. Well, uh, it's, a, it's appropriate because he was too low on that uh, top uh, 100 list. That's you know? right. It's Fine. it's the connection. It's the answer to the connection and all the questions. That, that's a trivia joke from yesterday. Um, So let's see here. I, th I thought there was actually one other thing. Oh, yeah, this... This struck me because my Facebook memories this morning, I was take a look at them. And um, this is one that uh, Star Wars Underworld tweeted out uh, or yeah, or whatever on in 2020. And he says, when you realize that R2-D2 was there for Leia's birth and her death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That I mean, that was really pretty moving. And I want I, that, you know, when I saw that, I was like, wow, no kidding. Um, so. Anyway, that's just neither here nor there. All right. Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair. Um, I suppose, you know, so in, in all honesty, I've skimmed it. Dave has read it. Fredo, you've read it. Um, mm -hmm. So let's let's start off with Dave, though. Just kind of give an overall, because Anthony Bresnikan wrote this, and Anthony Bresnikan used to be like the Entertainment Weekly guy for Star Wars Um and now apparently he's working for Vanity Fair. Um, so he knows his Star Wars stuff has, I mean, he's, like I said, pretty legit. But what what is uh, the overall uh, thing with this article? Because we get a cover that has Ahsoka, um, Din Djarin, uh, Obi-Wan, and Andor, Cassian Andor. So, and Yeah, it's the uh, Annie Leibovitz who shot, f f photographed this. Like it's the like the dream team that typically does this stuff. Uh, Vanity Fair typically gets these exclusive when a new um, movie's coming out. Yeah, yeah, and they get the whole spread with the photos and the interviews and everything else. And uh, and here we go. They got they just dropped a big one for Obi Wan. Um, and like you alluded to it up front, which is like, it wasn't just Obi-Wan. Uh, they talked about all the series that are coming up. They, they looked back at some of the series that they've already done with Mandalorian and Boba Fett. And they, they just talked about the, the general sort of state of the union of star Wars. Um, they focused on the series, but they also uh, dropped some nuggets uh, as it relates to the movies as well. So it was a really informative piece um, with some fun quotes too. Uh, and I'm looking at just under some of the images here. Um, so it, obviously Obi-Wan Kenobi premieres May 27th. Um, but uh, they say that, um, 
Andor is premiering late summer of 2022, that um, The Mandalorian returns in late 22 or early 23, and then Ahsoka is scheduled to premiere in 2023. So, I mean, yeah, we're getting actually some, what we've been talking about, will you please just put some dates on the board? Except for the fact that they said Mandalorian will return late 2022 or early 2023. So something's up there. Um, I think a lot of that depends on when exactly they need to put that. I remember, was it Book of Boba Fett didn't premiere till Christmas Day or day after Christmas thereabouts? It was Christmas Day. Last week. Yeah. Yeah, Christmas. So exactly. So it technically it pre debuted in 2021, even though. You know, for most of us, even though we were watching it mostly through the start of the new year. So they're, they're co- I think it's never a bad idea to premiere a show or put in the start of a new season around the holiday time when people are stuck at home with the family. And you're like, okay, we've done all the things we can do. Hey, th- there's a new, uh, the new season of Mandalorian is coming. Boom, put it on, sit up around the couch. And you got a captive audience. So it, well, helped. And, and actually sticking with this here just a little bit, they said first up is uh, Obi-Wan on May 27th. Um, then uh, says Andor is next in late summer. Then season three of The Mandalorian. And then um, Ahsoka in 2023. And then it says slightly further off is The Acolyte. Mm-hmm. which we heard about a long time ago and we're actually in this article we'll learn a little bit more about it um so all these things all these things coming up um so i don't know i guess let's just let's just maybe just keep on skimming through but dave what's what's the highlights here well to talk to the point of um to your point fredo when you were talking about like uh holiday season being big um they stayed up front like they have to feed the beast <laughs> and that's they acknowledge it up front this is what we have to do uh, this is what disney needed um and that, that was the intention with the mandalorian when they launched it was we're, we're we have to feed this animal now we have this streaming platform and they want star wars represented right up front right off the bat um to the point now where um, they've sort of shifted their focus from the movies into the uh, streaming platform, which again is obvious to anybody with a pulse who's been watching. Um, but again, it's kind of nice to have them acknowledge that and at least speak to there being some sort of strategy involved in that. Um, you know, but before that, we had just sort of seen, well, there's this, and then there's this other thing. And there's this other other thing, and, and none of it had any sort of um, bearing at the movie theater, and uh, and and everyone was kind of like, "What gives?" And and it's it from from the perspective of this interview, um, very deliberate choice. Um, and so uh, there, there we actually learn a little bit because we know what what's going on with Obi Wan for the most part. Um, but they actually get into Andor here and says, uh, Diego Luna describes Andor as a refugee story with desperate mm-hmm. people fleeing the empire. Um, he says it's the journey of a migrant. That feeling of having to move is behind the story very profoundly and very strong, uh, it shapes you as a person It defines you in many ways and what you're willing to do. 
So I find that kind of interesting that they're they're taking the the refugee standpoint. That's that's a an angle that maybe I didn't you know quite think of. And by the way, Mon Mothma is confirmed. They have a picture of Genevieve uh, Riley in this. So um, uh, Tony Gilroy offered a really good uh, quote on this. He's like, "This guy um, offers his life up for the galaxy. What makes you do that as a person?" Um, and so, like, he wanted to explore that. Like, why would someone feel that passionately uh, about a particular cause that they're willing to just sacrifice themselves? Um, because you, if you remember that that scene with with Andor and um, and Jin, like, they're just, uh, you know, it's very like they're just sort of accepting of the moment that that, that they are that they're going to die, and that's okay. Um, and it's a really beautiful moment in the movie. Um, and I, I like that it was, it was a, it was a question that sort of nagged at the director as well. Like that, this is something that I'd like to see more of, like, why did he get, how did he get to that point? Well, and it says that it starts, the story begins with the destruction of Andor's birth world. Mm-hmm. Which then makes, I mean, we only know of a couple worlds that have really been destroyed uh, one is Alderaan. That's too late for this. But the other one is Mandalore. Right. Which they basically. That's just my guessing them. here, folks. I mean, I mean but right. I mean, are we going to have another, you know, I mean, so. What's what's interesting is, and if you follow along that quote, Gilroy says, you know, one of the interesting things that, are, that they say is that the bulk of season one is going to take place on this planet, the planet that Cassian Andor adopts as his new base, as his new home. And he's and Tony Gilroy says, then we see another planet that's completely taken apart in a colonial kind of way. The Empire expanding rapidly. They're wiping out anybody who's in their way. So it's almost gonna force Cassian, who's very much in a it's similar to Han Solo. I'm out for myself. I gotta protect me. There's no survival here. Uh shifting towards becoming an adversary for the Empire. And eventually leading to the join the rebellion, but it's inter- it's an interesting that they're going that tack uh, because I mean it makes sense. I mean Diego Luna basically uprooted his entire life from Mexico City to um, to go to London to go film the show, so he has to have felt some kind of way to be involved in the story. I like I like that too, and he offered that quote on that that very thing where he's like he said yes immediately, and then he's like, oh gosh, what have I done? <laughs> Because <laughs> the it. exact quote, I'm looking at the exact quote. He, 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 he just McClunkied yeah. it. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, because he basically said yes, and then he went, "Oh wait a minute, I gotta, I gotta tell uh, uh, my family I will, we're moving." Uh, <laughs> but it, it, um, Kathleen uh, Kennedy addressed that as well, which is uh, again, Star Wars. When she talked about why they're transitioning into television, Star Wars is serialized in nature and. She thinks it's a natural and that it it makes sense because even with George's first stories, they were very Saturday morning, Flash Gordon. Uh, you're coming back every week to watch the show again. And, and uh, I want to take us on a tangent here just real quick because I mentioned this mm-hmm. at Trivia last night. And because I hear people like they, they're they going finally, I heard a podcast saying finally Star Wars is making movies again. You know, there's a movie actually coming out. And I'm like, Let's do the math here. We're actually getting 
more Star Wars on Disney Plus than if it, mm-hmm. I, I mean, they could have made Obi-Wan into a movie that's going to be two and a half, three hours if you're lucky. Otherwise, we're going to get five hours, maybe up to six, whoever, however long mm-hmm. these episodes are. So we're actually getting more Star Wars. And I, I think we would be, I, I would be more frustrated with it if it didn't look good on TV. If it looked like mm-hmm. the Ewok movie, you know, you know, all respect Wicket. But if it looked like the Ewok movie, then I would be a little bit, you know, upset. But it doesn't. It's actually, especially stuff we're seeing for Obi-Wan, it's looking really good. So it's like, keep keep bringing it because we're getting good Star Wars stuff. Well, just one of the things that the article touches up on is, George Lucas hadn't had wanted to do a Star Wars TV show. I believe it was going to be called Underworld. And just the technology was not there in order to make it look as good as the movies. And they talk in the article how big of a game changer the volume became. Because it gave them the ability to do movie level work, movie quality level work, at a budget of a TV show. So... Not only are you doing the same level. I mean, they even saw say they brought in James Cameron, the guy's taking his glasses off and trying to find the seams in the effect, and he just can't. So uh, that tells you that you probably couldn't have done it as well as you can, as you can right now, because the technology, the costuming. Yeah, you do have businesses, Disney's endless billions, but they also they there's accountants, they also have a, an army of accountants, and they don't like you wasting their money. There, there are a lot of really fun details in here. They talked about the volume a lot when they talked about how the Mandalorian was getting up off the ground. They talk about how Filoni and Favreau mesh originally, how they and how they met and, and 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 basically came to the series with two different ideas about how to approach a story involving the Mandalorians, and. Um, and we're able to fuse those visions together. Um, and the volume, I, I love this. They call it stagecraft, apparently. Mm-hmm. It's, it's called stagecraft. So if, if we ever refer to the volume or stagecraft in the future on this, um, we're referring to that giant like dome of television screens that you shoot inside of at this point where it's seamless. And it's just all one giant screen, basically. And they're able to project anything onto that wall and onto that surface. And they can build sets up inside of this. And so instead of having to go in and post and put all these visual effects into the backgrounds of of these shots that they take, that's built. That's in there. It's already done. It's in the can. Uh, And it's just this massive cost savings for them. Um, and so, like, yeah, obviously they they tooted their own horn. I think they said that they have three of these things built now, which L.A., Vancouver, London. Yeah, and so, like, that was an interesting nugget. Um, I'm sure they're outsourcing this technology to uh, to other projects, and there are people that are trying to get involved with, with it now. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that was really cool. So, uh, you know, and the, the thing I found interesting in here was um, I forgot that Kathleen Kennedy mentioned that Star Wars was going on a hiatus. Mm-hmm. And the Rise of Skywalker. 
that was a very much a and it's saying in here pardon my cough here <coughs> but it's saying in here that that was when she made that decision that like you said earlier we're going all in on on disney plus you know and that had to be a hell of a gamble um well well like they've said i mean disney was demanding material for disney plus and they had i mean and it's no surprise i mean you recall back in 2017, 2018, the projects that were lined up to be, quote unquote, a Star Wars story were Boba, Boba Fett and Obi-Wan. And we got the book of Boba Fett earlier this year. We're going to get Obi-Wan Kenobi in, a, in 10 days. So they've not thrown away any of, their, any of their ideas. They just repurposed them in such a way. Uh, they even make mention of the fact that Obi-Wan Kenobi, they had a different director lined up for that movie. And when he would switch and became a TV series, he dropped out because he had other commitments. And so uh, Deborah Chow stepped in to helmet and that worked fine for them. So they're almost cognizant of the fact that while there is a break in the movie element, they're not lacking for content. They're still producing as much, if not more now than ever. And yeah, to your point, Aaron, you, you said like, yeah, they are they're producing a lot here. I mean, mm -hmm. this is a lot. Um, Marvel <laughs> churned out three shows last year, but that's what Marvel does. They churn content out like an assembly line. Um, and I would argue that a lot of that was kind of hit and miss. Um, pretty, pretty good overall, but um, I, I, I don't think anything that they did equaled uh, the Mandalorian um and uh boba fett for all of its problems uh had uh had quite the rousing finish so yeah <laughs> i uh i i'm optimistic i'm really optimistic about this direction i really am and i know that um there's the potential for oversaturate saturation eventually um but i like i'm really excited for obi-wan at this point i'm just I'm well, and, and that's what I wanted to talk about Obi-Wan here for a second. Mm -hmm. They're talking about uh, uh, Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader. And I'll just read a paragraph from the um, article. So technically you don't need Christensen for Vader. All you need is a mask, a hulking figure in the suit. And if you're lucky, James Earl Jones, imperious voice. I wonder if are they are they showing their cards? Because we haven't heard anything about James Earl Jones um, doing the voice. Um, but anyway, said, so, but you do need Christensen to show the audience, the hot headed, but compassionate man who was lost when Anakin Skywalker became Vader. A lot of my conversations with Deborah were about wanting to convey this feeling of strength, but also coupled with imprisonment. Christensen said, uh, there is a power and vulnerability. And I think that's an interesting space to explore. I think we're going to get a really interesting look at Vader. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that and we kind of wondered that because it's like, why do you bring in Hayden? Why do you, why do you need Hayden Christensen? You know, I talked about flashbacks right off the bat, but we're going to see him in the suit and I probably with helmet off maybe at some point. Um, but that's a, that's very interesting. I don't know. What else did you well, make what, of all that conversation? No, and what, one of the elements that they bring about when they discuss bringing Hayden is that, it was Deborah Chow who kind of had the initial idea because she thought of it in terms of 
their relationship through the prequels. These are two people who loved one another, you know, as first as father, son, and then as brothers had love and concern and care for one another. And then it all fell horrifically apart. But that she says that element of love is still within Obi-Wan towards Anakin. And uh, so they, they had to figure out a way whether or not they were going to bring him in. Because the other thing that they kind of say in there is you cannot undo or try to rewrite something that happened earlier, meaning you can't go back and re redo what happened in May 1977. Everybody knows how their story is going to eventually conclude. Uh, but they, they were interested in bringing some more of that um, emotional element, which I think is what attracted Hayden back into the project, is that he's... he's uh, uh, playing them at a different level, at a different point in his life. Yeah, it was interesting to learn that, um, I don't know if you guys remember or anybody listening remembers when there was, this show got delayed and a lot mm -hmm. of people began to worry that they were going to rewrite it and then are they even, is the show going to, is in, is it in peril? Is it not going to happen? Um, and uh apparently the biggest point of contention at that stage of things was that chow had been brought on board and wanted to fold invader mm -hmm. um and and again not just gratuitously um but as a an important story uh element and as a foil for obi-wan and an opportunity to show where obi-wan is because like like you said fredo like He's not over that relationship yet. Uh, Anakin might be. Uh, Anakin might be in a very different place, but uh, Obi Wan is still has uh, some conflict within him. Still, just from a story point angle, I mean, looking at it, it makes total sense now because you look at the trailers and you're like, the fact that you're gonna get the Inquisitors, the fact that you're gonna get the Grand Inquisitor. The idea that, you were good, that they were going to be the big bats that were going to face off against Obi-Wan, that you were not going to see Vader. I'm almost like, I'm glad they brought in Vader because he's a threat that we know Obi-Wan. You know, there's a bigger conflict there than just simply, oh, you're a Force user and you're a Jedi and you're hunting Jedi. There's more that involved. So it adds a greater weight of drama to it. By the way, the Orlando Magic won the lottery. Sorry, sorry to spoil. Yeah, yeah, we got the eighth pick. Eighth. Oh, the eighth. That's not eighth. so bad. Yeah, that's not <clears> bad. <throat> uh, but you know, like this thing about um, I don't know if you were like necessarily going there with the argument you were just making, but like the idea that it's going to take a serious threat to separate Obi Wan from Luke. Mm -hmm. Um. And what would that threat need to look like? And well, if if Vader were somehow involved in that, I, that would that would do it, right? That yeah, would be I, th I, I think at the end of the day, though, it's probably. Don't you think it makes uh, Occam's Razor is probably the the Inquisitors got a lead on Obi Wan, and now Obi Wan's got to go off planet to get them off of the scent of Luke because they're going to be able to sense something there. Uh, hmm. But um, let's uh, let's shift to a little bit of Ahsoka because we really didn't learn anything about Ahsoka in this article. It doesn't seem like Filoni has a quote. He says, Ahsoka is a continuous story. 
It is definitely driving toward a goal in my mind as opposed to being little singular adventures. That's what I want the character be, to be doing, and I think that's what our fans want now. They have such a relationship with her. I, I've only recently started to understand that all those kids that watch The Clone Wars are now a lot older. They're very excited about all things they grew up with as they should be. We didn't really get any hint about what the storyline is here, except that it's a continuous story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because th- does that mean continuous from the first time we see her in Clone Wars through now? Does it mean when we meet her again in season? Well, that's three always, of that's Mandalore? always that's always been her thing, right? I mean, I mean, kind of Rebels kind of picked up where, um, you know, where Clone Wars left off. I mean, separated, mm-hmm. yeah, by some years, but um, in her story, she keeps evolving. And then, you know, when we see her in The Mandalorian, um, you know, and obviously it's this whole, you know, searching for Thrawn. We talked about it last episode or two episodes ago, so we're going to get back into it. But I just find it interesting that, it, we, that if that's coming in 2023, don't you think that we would have gotten maybe just a little bit more? Um, because we got a heck of a lot about Andor. Um but I suppose that's coming this summer. So, yeah, Ahsoka's a little ways away yet. I think like that might be the reason, uh, to, just to hold those uh, cards close to the chest. That just um, they're still a little ways away, so they're not ready to reveal anything there. But um, I do like that they apparently Rosaria splis- spilled the beans yeah. that. That uh, Anakin would show, that Hayden would show up in this, and then well, like, she oh, wait. she saw she saw rumors, <laughs> and then she tweeted like, yeah. "Hey, Sky Guy, you know, love snips." And then what? Star Wars sent an email saying, um, "Yeah, take that." Don't down. do that. <laughs> These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. <laughs> Just don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, you know, it's interesting about that is like, I feel like I saw Hayden talking about that recently. Um, mm. And the article is like, uh, we still don't know. Um, but I, I, I getting the impression that it's more likely to happen than not at yeah. this, at this point. Also, that also makes, well, that I, also makes me wonder. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead, Fredo. I was going to say, that also makes me wonder if maybe Obi-Wan is kind of like the, gateway for Hayden to come back and be more involved in a not necessarily a permanent basis but on a continuous basis because we know that uh you know like if if he wants to be in Ahsoka there's no reason why we can't get force ghost Anakin Skywalker talking to Ahsoka and, and I I think I think we're gonna see like I said I think we're gonna see Ahsoka and Obi-Wan because that's a lot of makeup to put somebody in for a Vanity Fair shoot for something that's coming out a, a year from now you know what i mean so it it almost seems like it was ready but um let's shift gears to let's get controversial here because mm-hmm. it uh <laughs> so here's the line they're they're talking about you know bringing uh you know luke into the mandalorian and they they may make the thing saying that you know bringing luke to life is now a team sport but that tech has limitations. So does recasting. And this is where it gets interesting. And I'm going to read the next paragraph. The 28, and this, I mean, it's a good thing. I almost asked Scott Colesby to be on the show tonight because he he just saw Dr. Strange, you know, we're going to be talking about that. Then this dropped 
and you should read his tweets about that. He's fired up about this. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the 20, and we, we would have to censor him. Um, but the 2018 movie Solo explored Han Solo's younger years with Alden Ehrenreich uh, taking on the role of the smuggler originated by Harrison Ford. The film has its admirers, but it made less at the box office than any other live-action Star Wars movie. Solo's, Solo's swagger may be too singular for another actor to repl- replicate. Quote, There should be a moment along the way when you learn things, says Kennedy. Now it seems so abundantly clear that we can't do that. Yeah, never. but actually, I'll, I'll say this for Scott. He's not the only one who has the same reaction he had where well, you know, Kathleen Kennedy's nieces and 10 Star Wars nerds get upset with that. I was I'm so, on record with saying I was not thrilled about Solo coming out. And I was bothered mm-hmm. by that. And then I'm also on record saying when I saw the movie, I was like, Alden Ehrenreich sold me within like mm-hmm. the first about 30 minutes. I'm like, yeah, he's he's got the mannerisms. That's That's Han Solo, you know. Now, I don't think, I, I still stand, I don't think you should recast from, you know, Han Solo from post A New Hope. You know, prior to A New Hope, go for it. You know, because when A New Hope happens, that's when we see the Harrison Ford version of this. So, but really? That you can't do recast? Donald Glover's in the chat. He wants to talk. Um, he has Everybody something to mention Sebastian here. Stan. Well, I mean, I, I still have my thing with that, but I mean, but getting to her point that it's abundantly clear that we can't do that recasting again, Donald Glover nailed it. You know, I don't think all Wright did that bad. Is she really blaming Solo's problems on Alden? I don't necessarily think that she's blaming Alden. I think she's blaming the fans reaction to Alden. Which I still disagree with, by the way. Well, I don't well, think Solo. Hairs, Fredo. I mean, that's I no, mean, no, no, no. Because here's the thing: who's, who's blaming the guy Alden that would lost blame... me money. It was Alden. No, you know, that's no. Because here's the problem: <laughs> if you say blaming Alden, you're saying he didn't deliver on what the director and the producers wanted him to deliver. And I think we can all say he did. The question isn't that. The question is, did the audience turn up for it? And the fact is, the audience didn't turn up with. Now, I've always stated the bigger problem Solo had was it got lost in the turmoil and angst and all the drama following The Last Jedi. And they should have, honestly, they should have moved that movie to a December release, putting it six months after The Last Jedi, just shoved everything together. People had no idea it was coming out. They're like, there's a trailer, there's not a trailer. A trailer didn't really drop until like six weeks, to eight weeks before the movie came out. And then, bam, it was in theaters and people were like, Wait, I thought I saw already the last Star Wars movie. And that really torpedoed a lot of the chances. I have a slightly different take. Um, I think what's interesting here is that they ended up having to shoot this movie twice. And so there was no possibility of them making their money back unless it was a huge, ginormous hit. And it was never going to be a huge, ginormous hit because they recast freaking Han Solo. Um, and and I think like part of the reason they had to reshoot it is A, they had the wrong directors, but B, they weren't happy with Alden's um, performance. Um, and they weren't happy with anything, basically. They had to 
They had to start over. And uh, I think it's incredible that Ron Howard and Alden rallied in such a way that this became a good movie. I think it's a great movie. I really enjoy it. Um, But (laughs) it was an expensive mistake. Well, but again, I I agree with all of that. I agree with everything Fredo said, but Kathleen Kennedy said it's abundantly clear that we cannot recast characters. She did not say it's abundantly clear we cannot release movies six months after each other. She didn't say it's abundantly clear that we can't make money if we have to reshoot this twice and fire the directors midway through. She said it's abundantly clear we can't recast characters. I'm sorry. sorry. She's she I think is she's Pontius Pilate washing her hands. You know, I and I agree with that in the sense of what I said, which was that I think his performance was was bad enough in the first go around that she was like, <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Well, this I'm is sorry, a catastrophe. I'm sorry, Lord Miller had him throwing snowballs, having Chewie and Han have snowball fights. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, there's a lot of blame to go around there. I mean, there really okay. is. But I agree but again, with she what said, she I agree did not with. Say any of the other stuff she said. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. She's I'm, throwing him under the bus. Is what time. she's doing. And I just, I, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I just think that realistically, the easy out is to say, the you know, it's people were not ready for that. People didn't want that. We're not gonna give them that. It's, that, I mean, it's easy. It's the only conclusion you can make. If, if you're in a in a budgetary accounting kind of big picture situation, you say, we gave these people this movie, The Force Awakens. They turned out for that. Let's give them more of that. They turned out for The Last Jedi. Okay, it was controversial, but they turned out for that. Let's give them more of that. We put them some Rogue One. They turned out for that. We're getting more of that with Cassian Andor. But they get solo and they don't come out for that. Okay, maybe that's not what they want, and maybe that's why they got the cold of, feet about all the a Boba Fett movie and an Obi Wan movie. But all of those things that you listed again, they did not release six months separate of one another, and that has nothing to do with the actors. It has nothing to do with the directors. It has everything to do with executive leadership at Lucasfilm deciding we are going to release Solo six months after the Last Jedi, and she is not taking ownership of that. Oh, and that, and that it's also, and it's on Disney because Disney has to say, look, we need, you know, all of these releases are mapped out. So anytime something gets kicked down the road, it affects everything. We talk about it all the time with the MCU. You can't just simply move <laughs> one movie three months or six months. Anything you do upsets the balance because they want the corporations thinking quarters and they wanted a big hit for that quarter and it didn't deliver. This- now, is she washing her hands of it? Absolutely, because she has to. She has to say it didn't work. So therefore, I'm not. I'm not. You know, even though my name and is I, on the producer line, I have nothing against Kathleen Kennedy. Everybody, just mm-hmm. to put this out there. But I think what we witnessed here was, and this. I'm sorry, I'm going to sound ageist, but we an an aging executive who fumbled. I don't think she meant to say that, and President can, got his quote. It's it's one of those things like, you know, when when Sean Payton would, you know, let his guard down and instead of saying, 
Yeah, we need to we need to work on some things. And when he said, yeah, we have receivers that need to start catching balls or people are going to get fired. I mean, when he says that, you know, it's like he let his guard down. I think she let her guard down. She fumbled and gave a quote that she didn't have any. Um, uh, yeah, I, she didn't realize how much. She's she's saying the absolute bottom line truth, which is we cannot have another uh, flop. This is a, that's what the quote says. Now, within the context of how the article is written, it alludes to the uh, the actual casting choice, the decision to cat, recast Han Solo. But the actual quote itself says, "We can't do that." <laughs> so there's still some reading that goes into that and like she may not have even been talking about that and he may have been like "Ooh, this will fit in perfect right here i know how writing articles goes i mean would that be disingenuous by the writer i don't yes and i i'm not accusing the writer of doing that but what i'm saying is like there's still a little bit of yeah maybe she didn't Say it quite like the way that it's been interpreted here. Because this is the point in the article, to go to your point, Dave, this is the point in the article that discussed the hiatus, that discussed the reaction to the sequel trilogy, to discuss to the U-turn that went from, you know, oh, Force Awakens, everybody loves it, The Last Jedi closed some doors, they brought back Abrams to rejig stuff and make it all work nice, and it didn't quite work. So... Within the context of the article, the way it's flowing, this is the dark night of the soul piece where, okay, things are out there direst now, and now we're going to come back with all the Disney Plus shows, which are going to carry the torch forward. So, all right. So, speaking of that, let's well, uh, let's move like, off. Okay, go ahead. I'll even say one last thing. When I read this, I wasn't offended by it. I was like, yeah. the re- my immediate like take from takeaway from it was, well, I guess Solo 2 is never happening. Like, that's uh, point. Like, like open and shut case she's like that's not happening again um and i was like well darn that throws a bucket of cold water on everybody who's like make solo 2 happen Mm -hmm. um that's (laughs) that sounds like that's dead and buried um but you know to your point i it's it is a bad look i mean it's a bad look for her to make it seem like it's the actor's fault here so let's look to the future um we get some stuff about the acolyte um and so just to uh the showrunner is leslie headland and she says that the acolyte takes place roughly 100 years before the phantom menace she said quote a lot of these characters haven't even been born yet they're uh taking a look at the political and personal and spiritual things that came up in a time period that we don't know much about my question when watching The Phantom Menace was always like, well, how did things get to this point? How do we get to a point where a Sith Lord can infiltrate the Senate and none of the Jedi pick up on it? Like, what went wrong? What are the scenarios that led us to this moment? And she says that The Acolyte is basically a mystery thriller um, in a set in a prosperous and seemingly peaceful era when the galaxy is still sleek and glistening. I don't know. What do you think about that? That sounds really kind of cool to me. It sounds different from every other Star Wars show we've gotten so far, which is good. The question just popped in my head as we're talking about the Phantom Menace is, do you think we'll see young Palpatine in there? <laughs> my clunky. Don't recast. Oh, sorry. sorry, I'll clunky <laughs> that one out. 
we're going to have to use some serious de-aging on Ian McDermott then. Um, but I do also like, she said, we use the term Renaissance or the Age of Enlightenment. Said the Jedi were not always um, monk-like figures living selfish, selflessly and bravely. Um, so that's kinda... I think Yoda will be a cameo, more than likely. Yeah, because he's in there. He's in the High Republic. Yeah. And I get what she means about the robes, because the, the way that they are portrayed in the... You say that Yoda probably will be in there. He doesn't have to. We don't have, and we don't have to have really Palpatine. If we're a hundred years before, you know, we just, if, and that's what I think. It's like, it's kind of like a uh, Star Wars visions. Star Wars visions looks like Star Wars and it has nobody that we've ever seen before, except for, you know, tattooing rocks. But um, it, it's like, if we see people carrying lightsabers and wearing robes, and you know and saying may the force be with you it's like okay they're jedi cool i know where i'm at mm -hmm. you know i don't i don't need yoda i don't need um you know kit fisto at number 18 or whatever he came in at you know um so i mean that's i and i hope that they don't i hope we don't get the cameos we might though is what i'm saying it's I like mean, it's absolutely possible and if i was to put money down yes we're probably going to get a young yoda like walking in the room but I'm just saying. Young? Yeah, 700 years old, yeah. so young. He, he, was in his, he was in his mid-40s at that point. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, you, you don't need it. It's not necessarily. Uh, again, we know nothing about the acolyte beyond the title, the writer, the star, and the time period it's taking place. And that's one of the things that actually intrigues me and excites me about it. It's a wide, It's an open book. It could be anything. There's no beholding anything to, oh, it's got to fit with what happens in this movie or what happens in that movie. Because by virtue of moving it 100 years into the past, you got free reign to do whatever you want. But again, it sounds like we're getting closer to the thing that I want, which is, you know, how did the Jedi and Sith come about? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe as we keep moving back, you know, even the High Republic and stuff like that, as we keep moving back, we're going to get closer to, you know, that answer. And like she said, how did a Sith Lord get in under the Jedi's nose? Um, so that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, it allows for a lot more exploration of the Jedi in a way in which I don't think any of the other movies, TV shows have actually gotten into. I mean, it's the kind of stuff that might not necessarily work with a lot of uh, standard audiences just because they'll be like, uh, why are we delving into philosophical, religious questions? But I'd be down for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, we've been we've been talking about how like the High Republic uh, has been uh, churning for a while now uh, in the print world, and uh, it's uh, and and we've we've asked ourselves on this show what will it take for it to really to take hold with the fans, and it's like, well, live action, uh, something. Uh, TV show, movie, etc., and um, we're gonna get it, you know. And I really hope that it's a group of interesting characters who we uh, who we really gravitate towards. You know, another thing that they mention in the article, um, but I, I don't know if we need to talk about it a lot because we don't even really get a quote from anybody on it. But it's the new series on the horizon that has the code name Grammar Rodeo, um, and they really they really don't give us anything beyond what we've already talked about on this podcast before it's 
So it almost seemed like a filler paragraph. Like we got to make sure we talk about it. I don't know. Well, I, oh, I liked it a lot though. Like what even what we did get, which was like um, a, a group of four kids, ages you know, like tween aged, uh, getting into an adventure, um, and like that's a that's enough for me. Set in Star Wars, it's like it's okay, po- it's post Jedi, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, their return. And uh, and I like that's all I needed. Like I'm sold on the concept right now. Um, and uh, it's just like the, the the whole coming of age thing. And like we've seen this stand like, by you, me, stand by me with Star Wars. <laughs> I was I was seeing more Goonies, like a little more lighthearted adventure kind just of maybe thing. Maybe Stranger you know? Things, you know? Who knows? The sidewalk. Yeah. Um, but okay, so now uh, into more interesting quotes from Kathleen Kennedy. I'm going to read another paragraph here. She says, we have a roadmap. Although Lucasfilm's big screen return is unlikely to follow the same cadence as before. Um, in, in, the, this is the, in the article, it's saying, a movie from Jojo Rabbit's Taika Waititi and uh, 1917 screenwriter uh, Christy Wilson Carnes will likely arrive first with Rogue Squadron from Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins further off. Is it true that Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige will produce a Star Wars film? Quote, I would love to see what movie he might come up with, Kennedy says. But right now, you know no, there isn't anything specifically. And the trilogy mm-hmm. from Last Jedi's Ryan Johnson that was announced five years ago? Backburnered. Quote, Ryan has, an unbelievably busy, is, has been unbelievably busy with Knives Out and the deal that he made with Netflix for multiple movies. Um so first of all, in that, it's interesting that they're saying that Taika's movie is going to come before Rogue Squadron. That's kind of news here because it seemed like Rogue Squadron was farther ahead. We don't even know what the heck Taika's working on. Well, remember that it was a couple of weeks ago that it was basically just about when Disney had its list of all the releases coming up, they still had Rogue Squadron locked in for December of next year. Yeah, and everybody's like, "Well, wait a minute, how's that going to happen? You haven't started filming." But so far, this is still locked into that date in uh, mid-December 2023. Dave, whereas Tacos is nowhere near that list. Dave, with your journalist journalism background, how long would an article like this be in development? This isn't something that he just that was just you know they interviewed last month and started writing, you know. Uh, yeah, he probably got a few follow-up quotes and some clarification here and there, and it was like I had to a- answer some questions. It was like, well, you alluded to this at this point. What did you mean by that, etc. Um, so there, you know, I'm sure there was some back and forth. I guess my point is, I'm wondering how out of date would this be with saying that Taika's movie is coming before Rogue Squadron? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Um, so, like uh, the. I think the turnaround time with uh, like a magazine like this, um, usually at least a month. Um, they want to lay everything out and they got to get the whole, you know, everything look pretty the way that they want it to. So, um, you know, a traditional mag- magazine like this, you got to lay, you got to lay everything out a month ahead of time. So um, that's when it's got to be done. Uh, so you're dealing with probably one month ish old information. So, like I said, that's interesting though. If they're saying Taika's movies come before Rogue Squadron, if Rogue Squadron's coming out 
next December or, or a year from this December or yeah. yep. December 2023. That means that Taika has got to be filming this mystery thing somewhere. <laughs> so, well, well, that's just it. I mean, and, and that kind of it's interesting that she kind of tries to downplay the Kevin Feige produced uh, project because, again, yeah. just last week, Michael Waldron is saying, yeah, I'm working. I'm writing on it right now. So. It's like, wait a minute, we can't confirm what uh, Which, the actual writer's doing. So that was one thing that, that when I see when I see the quotes from Kathleen Kennedy, that makes me wonder how, how much command and control does she have? Or, I mean, are, are people, you know, doing their thing and she's not as up to speed as the full goings on when she was interviewed with this? You know what I mean? I don't I don't think oh. she's I don't think she's a micromanager by any standpoint, but it's like when again you have this article come out with the president of Lucasfilm saying, Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Kevin would come up with when, like you said, a week ago there were reports all over the place of, Oh yeah, we're working on this. Well, that's just it. I mean, officially and here's the catch, remember, she's officially they've officially announced nothing. The Kevin Feige produced Star Wars movie that Michael Waldron's writing is just in development, but it's not been announced, has no title, much the same way as the Taika Waititi movie. It officially has not been announced. Everybody kind of knows that it's happening, so it, it's kind of like political doublespeak. You know, until we until we sign the law, the law's not really in place, but everybody knows the law's coming. Uh, so, I mean, Kathleen Klein is playing yeah, but, okay, like okay. most CEOs. She's playing fast and loose because but, but, but not very, but, it doesn't behoove her to confirm anything. But but she said, she puts it in a way. It's kind of like, again, I've, I've been in a band. And when somebody comes up and makes a request, you can say, yeah, we'll try to work that in. And, or if even if you don't know the song, you don't say, I don't know the song. Because then the audience member gets ticked and they leave. You say, yeah, right. we'll try to work that in. So if the fact that she says it would be interesting to see what he could come up with, not it would be That's... interesting to see what he does come up with, or, hey, yeah, we got some people that are putting some stuff together. Nothing's official yet. We're just kind of in the planning stages. That's the way you answer that if you know what's going on. I'm just kind of being that... controversial Aaron right now. I think. Yeah, well, controversial Aaron, she gave you the the – CEO version of we'll try to work that in. That's what she did. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't, but I, she didn't give a very good one. It's like I said, I'm saying what she could have said was, yeah, we've got some people, you know, working on this, but nothing is firm yet. You, you, don't, confirmation you, don't that say, it, you don't say, yeah, it would be interesting to see what he could come up with um, if, if something is going on. The one catch I will say is, Kathleen and Lucasfilm has been burned before by making grand announcements, whether it was the deal with uh, Benioff and Weiss for the Game of Thrones writers, or whether it was Rangers of the New Republic. You know, so the smart thing to do is to, until something's officially official, play fast and loose and say, yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. But, but my I mean, point is, it's, a lot, it's a lot like Sean Payton and the Wednesday. Uh, of uh, 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 injury report. Yeah, he doesn't have to tell you more than he has to tell. No, I understand, but I'm just saying all her quotes together. It does. It, they just when you look at them, it it, it looks like. Do you did you do do not read your daily briefing? You know, it's that's it, like I said. I'm getting into palace intrigue here and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, um, I don't know. 
I got the opposite read on it, to be honest. Um, and again, like, I'm, you... just, I'm playing stir the pot Aaron right now, okay? So, okay. But keep, All right, but well, keep, then, keep going, yeah, keep going. I'll... You take the opposite. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll throw this at you. The, uh, the immediate quotes that she gives right after that in the article. Um, she says... Uh, two different things that, that 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 hint at there being an overarching direction right now. Uh, I hesitate to use the word trilogies anymore because Star Wars is much more about persistent storytelling. Again, talking about what we talked about earlier, which was the television mindset, which mm-hmm. is just like these things are going to be serialized. They're going to be interconnected, but we're not going to limit ourselves into a trilogy right talking about learning from our mistakes right uh next thing what i was so taken with is how much fun we were having when she refers back to uh footage that that aired of her and spielberg and uh lucas back in the 80s it, it amounted to this moment of realization i do think a little bit of fun has gone out of making these gigantic movies the business, the stakes, everything that's been infused in the last 10 years or so, there's a kind of spontaneity and good time that we have to be careful to preserve. I keep holding on to it better be fun. And like to me, that again speaks to a growth, a learning, a reflection that okay, we need we need to not paint ourselves into a corner with um particulars we also need to have fun doing this mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, that's all i need yeah. you know like as a direct as a directive for star wars that's all i need so like i feel like okay cool things are in good hands right now right on no yeah. and like i said i uh, with uh, full transparency, I think one of the most boring podcasts that I can listen to is when everybody says everything is awesome. And so <laughs> as, as a teacher, I remember, I remember my high school English teacher, you know, when it, when, when he said, you know, we're reading uh, the, the short story, the jilting of granny Weatherall. If, if you know that, know that short story. Well, anyway, he said, basically use the quote, you know, it's better to have loved than lost than to never have loved at all. He said, isn't that true? Isn't that awesome? I said, and everybody's real quiet. And I said, no, it sucks. And because I had just recently broken up with my girlfriend, I said, no, it sucks. And he turned and looked at me with the biggest smile and the brightest eyes. And it was like, I knew that that teacher was like, oh, as a teacher now, I can see I made his day. Because there's, you know, there's nothing worse than trying to have a conversation and get people talking and everybody's just like, oh, it was great. Five stars. So sometimes I will just stir the pot just to get you guys ticked off. So, um, no, it, uh, but, to, but to Dave's point, and I think, um, good job stirring the pot. No, but uh, to Dave's point, I think that uh, it, it kind of denotes an understanding of how stories are being told in today's media. We talk about us all the time with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The fact that we may bemoan the summer reading, but fans are more willing to take more throughout the year. Meaning, you give us two to three shows during the year and then a movie, that's what we want. We're less locked into, and this is something Kathleen Kennedy says, you know, when George started doing this, they were getting one Star Wars movie every three years, and that's it. You know, you got a trilogy, 
decade, another trilogy, you were done. Now they they try to copy that model to return Star Wars when Disney bought it. Now they're more into the we're going to give you a couple of TV shows every year, maybe a limited series, and somewhere on the way we'll give you a movie. But see. the idea that that movie is going to be the end or be all is no longer the same, no longer locked in stone. They could do a do a fun Rogue Squadron movie that's got nothing to do with everything going on in Ahsoka and the Mandalorian. And that's that's to my earlier point where, you know, er, there were people who are complaining that the Obi-Wan series is only going to be six episodes. And it's like it, you're going to get, like I said, more than what a movie could give you. So, you know, right. re, rejoice, you know, in that that it's like, wow, we're getting this stuff. Now, if one episode is nothing but, you know, Obi-Wan sitting in the sand, you know, building sandcastles, then I'm going to be horked off. But, you know, you know, it's but yet still it's like you're getting we're getting all this we're getting more stuff this way so yeah so rejoice um yeah so anyway well that was kind of a fun conversation um and the pictures in there the annie Liby- Leibowitz stuff is always just they're stunning um and that makes me more excited sometimes than the articles just actually see these things because there's pictures of vader in there there's uh the new um the new Inquisitor. Inquisitor. Um, so, yeah, it all looks... Look, I, just from a Latino standpoint, I love the fact that Entertainment Weekly has a Star Wars cover with three out of the four people in there are Latino. So, because Diego Luna, uh, Pedro Pascal, and Rosario Dawson. I'm like, hey, we don't we don't took over the galaxy far, far away. Don't tell the whiteies. <laughs> with that, there's our, there's our alarm. <laughs> Um <laughs> uh, and, and I'm yeah, we'll just <laughs> sorry now I'm coughing. <laughs> Somebody else sign off. Hey, but anyway, uh no, so uh let's see here. Um yeah, I'm gone next week, so there's gonna be a little bit of hiatus on a show, but um uh when I come back I'll give I'll, you my follow Aaron for all the photos from uh from Galaxy's Edge. Give you my full uh Star Wars uh I have the more the number of people that have asked me, "Oh, are you staying at the hotel?" My response has always been, "No, I'm not staying in Star Wars prison," and then that <laughs> then that makes them laugh. Um, but anyway, so uh, yeah, I'll bring a full report, um, and I will be posting on Instagram, um, probably on Twitter, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, follow me. Uh, but other than that, until then, we will say who dat, who dat, and everybody. Okay.